Last week, we started a series on doctrines, major teachings of the Bible as seen in the teachings of Jesus. The word doctrine means a teaching. And we're looking and realizing the main teachings of Jesus. I'm excited about it because we are going to be going through some of the major themes of the Bible as found in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So exciting. I am, I am excited to be getting into this. Uh, before I start, though, today on this one, controversy because of the Gospel, um, I'd like to just ask for additional word of prayer. If you bow your heads with me. Father, I acknowledge this morning my need of your spirit and ask that you would speak to our hearts today through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In 1942, there was a group of young people, college students, who decided that they were going to stand up in the midst of one of the greatest oppressions of the past century. Led by a man named Hans Schul, he, his sister Sophie, and several others founded a movement known as the White Rose Movement. Some of you may have heard of them in history. They were in Germany, and they believed that what was taking place underneath the leadership of Adolf Hitler was horrendous. And so they spoke out, but they did it undercover. It's amazing if you read some of the story. Um, I was, uh, one evening this week, I, after our kids went to bed, I pulled out my daughter's reading book, because one of the things I like to do is read reading books. I know it's, it's, a, it's a negative byproduct of being an elementary school teacher by trade. And so I was reading her reading book, and the story of the White Rise Movement was in there. I thought, oh, this is fantastic. So some of you probably have known it. It was new for me. And they would go and share through written uh, pamphlets important messages that they wanted everyone else to know. If they got caught, they knew they would die. Uh, the first pamphlet came out in June of 1942. This is a picture of Sophie. Um, she had been raised in a Christian home, she and Hans. And her, she and Hans, her brother, fully endorsed the Nazi movement for part of it in so many ways. And yet, their father, mother, as Christians, challenged him and said, no, you can't believe that this is messed up. This is not correct. And so they had this open dialogue, which was very unusual in Germany at that time. They had this open dialogue in their home. Uh, parents and children uh, arguing about politics. Well, soon they started realizing that their parents were right in this case. And uh, especially after Hans got arrested for singing German songs that were patriotic. And they wanted them to be focused specifically on Nazism. Here is one of the pamphlets that was written. Uh, this is from uh, the fifth pamphlet. Six were sent out. This is from the fifth one. Try to convince all of your acquaintances. This is what they were writing and sending out through universities, to professors, to businessmen. Try to convince all your acquaintances of the senselessness of continuing, of the hopelessness of this war, of our spiritual and economic enslavement at the hands of national socialists, of the destruction of all moral and religious values, and urge them to passive resistance. In fact, the third pamphlet spoke of the Nazi government and said, this current state is a dictatorship of evil. Very strong statements for young people standing up, 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, against what was taking place. Well, they started in June 1942, and in February of the next year, Hans, Sophie, and another leader, Christoph, were caught. Uh, here is a picture of their uh, pictures that were put out by the, after their arrest. They had a half-day mock trial at the hands of injustice and were executed by the guillotine within a day. Christoph, 23 years old, 
father of three. Hans, 24 years old, and Sophie, 21 years old. All lost their lives because of what they believed in. Christoph and Sophie went to their death silently, but Hans could not. And before his head was placed on the block, he shouted out one last time, Long live freedom. The controversy between good and evil wasn't simply in Munich, Germany in the early 1940s. We could see this conflict between good and evil throughout the history of our world. We're going to study a little bit this morning about the beginning of the controversy and maybe be under, understand its implications for us today. So with that in mind, I'd like to jump into our study. If you could turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, and we are going to look at, kind of interesting, to have a controversy, there needs to be two sides almost always. And there are truly two sides in this major controversy described in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus is going to describe it both through his life and through his teachings. This controversy, Matthew chapter 4, and starting with verse 1, we see a little bit about who is the opposing force. The Bible says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by whom? The devil. The devil. And so this story then goes through three key temptations that Jesus faced from Satan. Satan's personal attack on Jesus after he had fasted for 40 days. There's something that Jesus uh, mentions about Satan that I find fascinating. We're going to look at the temptation actually a little bit later this morning. But there's some things that Jesus says about Satan that I find fascinating. It's found in the book of John. So if you could turn with me to John chapter 12. John chapter 12, a little bit of a Bible study this morning. I hope you don't mind walking your fingers through the pages of the Word of God. If you have a phone, you can always pop in those Bible texts. It's easy. John chapter 12. John chapter 12 and verse 31. Jesus says this. Now is the judgment of this world. And then he uses this phrase. Now the what? Ruler of this world will be cast out. He was speaking of Satan. He used the phrase ruler of this world. I find that interesting. We're going to come back to that. Um, a little bit later, chapter 14, verse 30, uses the same phrase. Chapter 16, verse 11, also uses the same phrase, ruler of this world, to describe Satan. So I, I will hold on to that thought. All right, so now let's look at a little bit of history. You're familiar with it, but I'm just going to recount it with you. Jesus, in his teachings, gives a history of Satan. So not only does he call him ruler of this world, he also gives a little bit of history of Satan in the book of Luke chapter 10 in verse 18. Luke chapter 10 verse 18, Jesus talks about where Satan came from. Luke 10 and verse 18. And he said to them, now by the way, the, the 70 had been sent out by Jesus and when they went out they were ministering and one of the things they did in their ministry was cast out demons. And at that end of that, at the end of that time, it says in verse 18, when they come back and told him what happened, he said to them, I saw Satan, what? Fall like lightning from heaven. Wow. So here in the teachings of Jesus, we hear and see this principle that Lucifer, Satan, wasn't always on earth. At one point, he was in heaven, and how did he get here? He says he fell, right? I'm just going to be looking, specifically looking in this passage here in the Gospels. So from the Gospels, from the teachings of Jesus, we know that Satan fell from heaven. At one point, he was actually in heaven. That's kind of shocking to me, that you could have the, the, the ruler of this world and I would add the prince of darkness, 
used to be in heaven. Here we see this, uh, this picture. John chapter 8, verse 44. Something else that Jesus tells us about the history of Satan. John chapter 8 and verse 44. John 8, 44. So we know that Satan fell from heaven like lightning, the Bible says. Now Jesus says this about Satan. 8.34, Jesus is not speaking to Satan, he's speaking of Satan. And he's speaking to some leadership there in Jerusalem. Jesus was a straight speaker. And here's what he says. You are of your father, the devil. Um, I don't suggest anyone use that language. But Jesus used it because it was true. And if it's true, he spoke it. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from when? The beginning. The beginning. And does not what? Stand in the truth. Why? Because there is no truth in him. And then it says this. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. Then it says this. For he is a what? A liar and the? father of it. So when I'm looking at this picture that Jesus is giving of Satan, I see that he wants to be in heaven. He fell down from heaven. He is a murderer from the beginning, and he is the father of lies. In other words, lying originated with him. Have you ever met a liar? They didn't start it. They got it from someone else. I'm assuming almost anyone, everyone in here probably has lied at some point in your life. If you haven't, don't tell us. Most of you probably have. And that originated with Satan. Satan is the father of lies. Now there's some policy, I'll put it here, policies and practices of Satan. Um, I'd like to read through a couple of them. A couple will actually look up. One of the policies of Satan, I think you've already seen, and Satan likes to tempt people. We saw that in Matthew chapter 4. If you've ever been tempted, Satan's at work. Uh, if you're ever driving down the road and you want to uh, get angry at someone, Satan is at work. If you're ever on your phone and you want to look at something that's not going to benefit you, Satan is at work. If you're ever struggling with falling apart, giving up, fear, Satan is at work. Satan tempts us. He tempts us to do bad things. He tempts us to give up. That is what Satan does. He's a tempter. But there's some other things that Satan does. Um, Mark chapter 4, verse 15. Mark chapter 4, verse 15. This is something, uh, there's, there's a couple of things here, then we will we'll look at a chart a little bit later today that just lays it out. Mark chapter 4, verse 15. And it says this, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word was sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away what? The word that was sown in their hearts. Something that Satan does is when the word of God starts to make an impression on your heart, Satan wants to get rid of it. And so when it starts sinking in, and you start feeling this conviction of God speaking to you, Satan's goal is to remove it out of your heart so you don't have conviction. He does it all kinds of ways. But he wants to remove conviction. This is an action that Satan does. Something else that Satan does, um, and I find this in um, Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22 Jesus actually tells you a desire of Satan. Uh, you know, D Satan has desires, right? Now, I have the New King James Version, so it doesn't use the word desire. But if you have the King James Version, you'll see the word desire there. Let me read it here. Luke chapter 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, what? Satan, Satan has asked for you. In fact, if you read in the King James, it says, Satan has desired you, right? Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Satan 
wants God's people. He wants to take them out. Satan doesn't like those who are working for God. If you're being attacked by Satan, it's because Satan sees you're valuable to God. I hope you got that. Sometimes when we're tempted, we feel like it's because we're bad. Well, don't mean to break it to you, but everybody in here is bad. Okay? It's by God's grace and through his righteousness that we can stand and say, I am good. But it's not us, it is Christ. Amen? Amen. But if you are tempted to do something wrong, it's because God sees value in you and Satan is scared. You know, I've met a lot of people who are tempted and they think it's because they're bad and Satan loves you thinking that way because he gets you to give up. When you're tempted, it's because God has value in you and Satan is scared. He's trying to take you out. Now, there's so much more in the policies and practices of Satan. Um, Let's look at one more. Luke 22, since we're already there, verse 3. Luke chapter 22, verse 3. The Bible says, Then Satan did what? Entered Judas. Judas. Satan can possess people. We see it throughout the Bible. There is, especially in the Gospels, you read about demon possession all the time, but Satan actually could possess people. And so we see that taking place here. Satan entered Judas. Now there's a, a beautiful side to this that I'm about to look at, so I'm not going to dwell too much more on this. There is some, not just in the Gospel teachings about Satan, we see about Jesus being the Messiah. Could you turn with me to John chapter 1? We're looking at the teachings of the two main opposing forces in the great controversy in the Gospels. You have Satan on one side and you have Jesus on the other side. We're looking at the teachings of these two and we're going to look a little bit at this battle between the two here in the Gospels. In John chapter 1 and verse 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was what? The Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were what? Made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. So this is a picture of Jesus, the Son of God, who is with God, is God, and everything that you see in this planet was made by God. Let me rephrase that. Anything natural was originally made by God. Uh, The building we're in was made by humans. There's a lot of other things. I've always found the things that God makes are more perfect the closer you look at them. And the things that are made by man are more fragile the closer you look at them. But just an interesting thought. Verse 14 tells us who the Word was. John 1.14 And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And then it says in verse 16, and his fullness we have all received in grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through whom? Jesus Jesus Christ. The word being talked about here in John 1 is Jesus. So here I have this being who fell from heaven who's the father of lies, who is a murderer from the beginning on one side, and then I have the Word who was God and was with God and created all things on the other side. This is the controversy as shared in the Gospels. Two opposing sides. Um, There's more. Uh, Some of the beginning, I call these beginning declarations. Some of the other ones was, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So we see another declaration of Jesus. He is God with us. Uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 35, says this, and the holy thing, I think it uses that phrase in King James Version, the New King James says, that holy one in you, 
will be called the Son of God. So speaking of Jesus, we see this picture. Son of God, Holy One, God with us. On the other side, Satan, the tempter, who fell from heaven and who is the father of lies and a murderer from the beginning. The two opposing forces in this controversy. I put here affirmation of God the Father. And um, I'm going to be careful I don't switch into Sabbath school style discussion, but I'm going to ask a question and see if you can help me. What time in the Gospels do you see God the Father affirming that Jesus is his son? Visibly, out loud. Not visibly, out loud. At his baptism, that's right. So in the baptism, Jesus is in the water. The Holy Spirit is descending like a dove. And from heaven, hear a voice saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That's Matthew, of course, Matthew, Luke, both places carry that. Thank you. I was hoping you would say that. So the Mount of Transfiguration was another place. In Luke chapter 9, right after uh, Moses and Elijah are seen there with Jesus, a voice was saying, this is my beloved son. Hear ye him. I think I have that correct, but that is, um, what does Jesus say about himself? How does Jesus say about himself? He said, that's right. Thank you, Neri. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You know what it says in John 10, verse 30? John 10, verse 30, this is three months before Jesus was killed. So it was the Feast of Dedication. You and I would say the month of December in that area, there in Jerusalem. Jesus is walking and he's teaching and he says this, I and my Father are one. And instantly, the Bible says that people grabbed stones, picked them up, and they were about to throw it in. He goes, why are you going to stone me? They said, because you, as a man, make yourself to be God. They understood what Jesus was saying. He was claiming oneness with God the Father, which was a terrible thing in their, in their mind. Just three months before that, he had said something else, and I'm finishing with this section, with this verse. It's found in John chapter 8. So if you could turn with me to John chapter 8. It is one of the more moving statements I have found when it comes to Jesus' personal statement about who he was. So we have Satan on one side, we have Jesus on the other. We're looking at the Gospels here. Um, in John chapter 8 and verse 48, the Bible says, Then the Jews answered and said to him, speaking about Jesus, Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, verse 49, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. I mean, just, he had no problem just being very direct with them. Well, in the conversation, he finally got to a point, he said, Abraham, looked forward to see me, my day, and he saw it and rejoiced. And they said, you are out of your mind. You're, you're just over 30. What makes you think that... Abraham saw your day. Then Jesus makes this startling statement in verse 58. Jesus said unto them, Most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And I am was the eternal name of God used in Exodus chapter 3. So they knew what was being said here. It says they took up stones to throw at him again. And he disappeared. It's interesting. When a person acts like a demon, they let him alone. But when a person acts like God, they want to get rid of him. Please don't miss the great controversy. It's still alive and well today. If you want to get persecuted, be nice. If you want to have a lot of trouble with certain people, let the love of Christ shine out of your life. Great controversy, alive and well. There's a, ruler, there's a reason for that. Who did Jesus call, what did Jesus call Satan when he was here on earth? The ruler of this world. And we're going to come back to that, but it's a, it's a huge point. So just a little contrast, if you don't mind. Um, I had fun. Uh, looking at this and putting some things together. I have verses with all of this, but I didn't have space on the slide. So I'll just, if you're taking notes, I'm just going to 
tell you where it says these things, okay? Uh, liar from the beginning. That is John 8.44. Um, Satan possesses. We've already seen that. Luke chapter 22, verse 3. Satan binds people. He doesn't let them go. I want you to realize that if you are bound, if you have chains tying you down, that's not the work of God. That's the work of Satan. And we find that in Luke chapter 13 and verse 16. Satan tempts. We saw that in Matthew chapter 4. Interesting here. It says a murderer. Again, that's John 8, 44. Wants to be worshipped. I'm going to take a little bit of time on this. Matthew chapter 4, verse 9. The final temptation is listed in the Gospel of Matthew. He, Jesus is taken to the top of a mountain by Satan. Satan shows him the world in its splendor. Now, um, how many of you have seen those videos trying to get you to come and, and, and vacation in a certain spot? And it is, I mean, the sand is so white, right? You can almost see the powder. When you look into the water, it's crystal clear. It is magnificent. There is not a mess up an entire screen as you're looking at it. It's beautiful. Then you arrive and you say, where was that spot? Could you take me to the spot in the video I saw? Because oftentimes when you see a video, they edit it, right? We live in a world where things are kind of adjusted to make them look better than what they really are. And so, if I can use this phrase, Satan photoshopped. He did some serious editing, and when he took Jesus to the top of the mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world, Desired Ages said when he saw them, it was without sin, without blight, without dirt. It was beautiful. You could see the splendor of these nations. And then Satan, and this beautiful scene says, if you simply bow down and worship me, I give it to you. Everything, it's yours. That was the ultimate goal of Satan. And that was he wanted to be worshipped. He wanted to be like God. This is the end goal. Yes, we, we see it in one spot here in the Gospels in the temptation of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, verse 9. But this is the big issue. Satan wants to be worshipped. By the way, that doesn't change. Satan is still desirous. It is the focal point of the great controversy. And then we look at this last one here. Controls to destroy. Luke chapter 8, verse 33. Luke chapter 8, verse 33. Is... Um, Demon-possessed man. They were tearing this demoniacs up from the inside out. Jesus comes and says, okay, leave. That's, I'm, I'm simplifying the story. There's more to that. And then the demon said, we want to go someplace. Could you please send us to the herd of swine? I mean, we're talking about a couple thousand swine. And Jesus said, go. And as soon as they went into the swine, they took the swine, took them over the edge of the cliff, and they all drowned in the Mediterranean Sea. Right? That's the, that's the story that we see here in Matthew chapter 8. When Satan does the possessing, ultimately death results. Yes, these were pigs. But you can see it in those who are possessed throughout the Gospels. When Satan possesses, destruction follows. At first, it may feel a little good. I don't know if that's true. But I've heard that some. But ultimately, that is the end. When Satan is in charge, destruction will be the ultimate result. But the beautiful part is, we have a Savior. Jesus. And these are what He is. Satan is a liar from the beginning. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6. Satan possesses, but you know what I find interesting? Jesus does too. Jesus says, I in him and you and me. This is uh, found in John chapter 17, verse 23. We find out that Satan binds. What does Jesus do? 
Same exact story. Here's what Jesus does. It says, he said, you are loosed. He freed the woman who was bound by Satan. That's what Jesus does. Something else I find interesting here. And that is when Satan tempts, Jesus does something else. He brings conviction. Uh, You can read about this in John chapter 8, verses 7 through 9. Jesus brings conviction. Satan brings temptation. And sometimes you hear it in your life, right? Um, The proverbial, um, that battle that goes place in our mind. On one side, I want to do this. And then you have the other side saying, you better not do it. And you have this battle that takes place. There is temptation of Jesus, and the counteraction is the conviction of Jesus. The temptation of Satan, excuse me, and the conviction of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Those are the battle that takes place in our mind. The next thing that we see take place, a cross from murder, I love this. I have come that they may have life, John 10, 10. I've come that you may have life, and you may have life more abundantly. Satan wants to take life, and Jesus gives life. Now, this one's a little bit interesting. This is John chapter 8, verse 50. Satan wants to be worshipped. You know what Jesus says? I did not come to seek my own glory. So opposite. I mean, if anyone should be worshipped, it should be Jesus. When people fell at the feet of Jesus to worship him, he never said, don't do it. Because he is worthy of worship. But he never, at least in this case, he's not asking for it. What does he say? I didn't come to seek my own glory. I came to seek the glory of the Father. Very beautiful picture we see here. Uh, This difference between these two. And Satan, he controls to destroy. I love this. When When Jesus is involved, he actually frees. And he brings peace. I like to quote Luke chapter 8, verse 35. Luke 8.35, just after the pigs are sent over the cliff. Here's what happens. Verse 34, when those who fed them saw what had happened, they fled and told it to the city and in the country. Verse 35, then they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed, notice, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And then it says, and they were afraid. I always smile at that. The pigs going to the cliff made them angry. The demoniac, clothed in his right mind, made them afraid. Because that was power. Power they were scared of. Jesus, in the great controversy, is what you see on the left-hand side of your screen. Satan, in the great controversy, is what you see on the right-hand side of your screen. Ultimately, Satan is going to bind. Ultimately, Satan is going to destroy and control. Ultimately, Satan wants you to worship him. Ultimately, Satan is going to lie to you. He's going to do everything, and he'll take you out if that's what he has to do. This is the great controversy in the Gospels. Jesus, on the other hand, when he speaks to you, you may not always like what Jesus has to say, but he's going to tell you the truth. He's not going to lie. One thing about Jesus is he wants to possess you in a good way. Because when he comes in, he frees you. When he comes in, he looses you from what is going on in your life. There is power in Jesus. You know, that final point of controlling to destroy versus freeing to bring peace leads us to... uh, a main struggle between Christ and Satan. There are two very different philosophies of living. And as we come to our final section this morning, I'd like to share a quotation from a book that I like, Desire of Ages, page 19. It will be seen that the glory shining in the face of Jesus is the glory of self-sacrificing love. In the light from Calvary, it will be seen that the law of self-renouncing love is the law of life for earth and heaven, that the love which seeketh not her own has its source in the heart of God. Jesus, it was all about loving others 
and doing what he could for them. Satan, it was all about hurting others or pulling them into service for him. Two opposing sides. Now, Satan is a smart person, being. You know what he does? He makes you think that it's better to be controlled and bound and enslaved. He sells you a bill of sale. You know what? If you serve me, you're better off. I'm not going to tell you about what it's going to do to your body. I'm not going to tell you what it's going to do to your relationships. I'm not going to tell you about what it's going to do to your spirituality. I'm not going to tell you what it's going to do to your eternal life. Don't worry about that. You can have fun today. And he convinces, you, convinces us to think that it's okay this side, when in reality, real living is only found with God. But he turns it around. He's a conniver. When you live in this world and you have a philosophy of living that's different than the ruler of this world, there will be a controversy. It's in this way. Have you ever, uh, it's a verse that just came to my mind this morning. Actually, I woke up. It doesn't happen often, but I woke up this morning thinking about the sermon. It was fresh in my mind, quite literally. And uh, there is a passage that says, Jesus says, I did not come to bring peace but a sword. He said, wait, wait, wait. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. How can that be? Here's how it is, what we're looking at right here. When I have a philosophy of living that's different than the ruler of this world, he will attack me. So by living a life of peace with the Prince of Peace, I will be attacked and have the sword from the Prince Ruler of this world. And that's how it takes place. You know, there is a a story I'd like to share with. I wasn't going to say who it is, but I, I, I should. It's a good story. It's about someone I'm related to. It's my uncle. My uncle um, was started out as a medical doctor and then eventually saw that the greater need, at least he felt, I believe, was mental health and went into study of psychiatry and became a psychiatrist. When he was working in one hospital, in some place, he was trying to get those who were coming for help to stop needing help. Does that make sense? So uh, we call this healing, right? Um, so the goal was, when you come to me, instead of doing a half an hour session with you, I'm going to do a 45 minute, or one hour, or even two hour session with you. It's going to take a lot more energy from me. I'm going to work through details, give you ideas, help you work through this, and I'm going to do this again next week. And the next week, and the goal is, within four or five sessions, maybe a few more, you're going to stop meeting me. Does that make sense? Not good for business. No, and that was the problem. When he started doing this and started having success, very good, not 100%, but very good success. Others in the same practice started getting a little frustrated because the normal practice was I'm going to go sit and listen to you for a half an hour and say, okay, make sure you take your medication, be back next week, take your cup of coffee, go back and sit and drink, wait till the next guy comes and you go and do the same exact thing. That way you have continuous work. But he refused to do that. And so they got angry. And they started doing all kinds of things. And one of them was, we're going to fire you. We're going to get you fired. And here's how we're going to get you fired. You're not doing your paperwork exactly right. And so we're going to get you fired for paperwork. I won't go into all the, the story, except to say he was not fired. Um, but they let him go, thankfully, um, because he proved to them what he was doing was right. However... Why the controversy? Why was there a controversy? He was helping people, trying to do the right thing. A controversy often takes place, just like with Hans and Sophie, also with my uncle, when you're desirous of doing the right thing. Those who are under the rulership and philosophy of this world get angry and take it out on you. That's where controversy comes from. And this is what we see from uh, the gospel 
as well. Please turn with me. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 11. We are just going to look at just a few things here. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. This is Jesus. He just was baptized and um, wanted to really uh, know his Father's will as he went into his ministry. So Jesus left where he was at at the, Baptist, at, at the River Jordan, went into the wilderness and spent 40 days praying. As he was there praying for 40 days, at the end, Satan came. Because when Jesus was there, he did not eat or drink anything for 40 days. His body was weakened somewhat from this experience. He had been sustained by God. But now when Satan comes, he tempts him. He tempts him with three things. Remember, what was the first temptation? Will you make these stones into bread? Second temptation. Cast yourself from the temple. For it is written... He shall give his angels charge over thee. So even quoted scripture, Satan will do that at times. And then the final time was when he took him to the top of the mountain. We looked at that, right? And said, bow down and worship me and I'll give you everything. In every single case, Jesus responded simply how? It is written. It's interesting, he's actually quoting every time from the Old Testament, from the book of Deuteronomy. So there is a, a, an interesting picture here. This is how he fought back. But there's another way, and I find this, I'd like to share uh, as we go to this. Where and how it started, we've talked about this already. I'd like to go to the section here called Beginning of the End, John chapter 30, 12. John chapter 12, and looking at verse 30. We've been here before, but we're going to go a little bit deeper as we close up this concept. John chapter 12, in verse 30. The Bible says, Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come because of me. Oh, this is where the voice said, um, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. Jesus heard God the Father speaking out loud to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of the world. And then he says this, now the ruler of this world will what? Be cast. be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. This he said, signifying by which death he would die. Jesus said, the judgment has come. The ruler of this world is going to be cast out. And then he says this, I, if I am lifted up, will draw all men unto me. And he's speaking about his crucifixion. Very simple point, but we want to make sure we get it. The judgment that he's talking about, when the ruler of this world is cast out, took place when Jesus was lifted up and all people were drawn to him. That is at the cross. The ruler of this world was cast out, defeated in the great controversy when Jesus died on the cross for you and for me. That means not only did Jesus have Scripture in his battle to defeat, the greatest defeat of Satan took place when Jesus gave up his life and Satan kept his. The victory in the great controversy is self-sacrificing love. The victory in the great controversy doesn't come from me beating up Satan. It comes from me surrendered to God, filled with God, and His love is in my life. That is the victory. Victory is not found by me using the tactics of Satan. Satan's tactics will always lose. Victory is found in using the tactics of Christ. 
and that is love. There is a beautiful quotation, again in the book Desire of Ages, says this, Christ did not yield up his life till he had accomplished the work which he came to do. And with his parting breath, he exclaimed, it is finished. What's that next phrase? The battle had been what? Won. His right hand and his holy arm had gotten him the victory. As a conqueror, he planted himself, his banner, on the eternal heights. Was there not joy among the angels? All heaven triumphed in the Savior's victory. And then what's this phrase? Satan was defeated and knew that his kingdom was lost. The kingdom of selfishness lost to the kingdom of love. The way of philosophy of it's all about me falls apart and the philosophy of heaven where it's all about God and others. In our world, it doesn't make sense because you and I right now are living in this world. And the philosophy of the ruler of this world, even though he's defeated, still was the philosophy of this world. It's about me. But when we recognize that the philosophy, the law of life, is self-sacrificing love, when we allow that love in our lives, the great controversy will be won in our lives. There is a battle. It's a real one. You know, several of Jesus' disciples left him, and I'd like to close with this story. You may not have known this. Maybe you did. But there was a point in Jesus' ministry when they just couldn't take him anymore. You say, how can that be? Jesus was throwing out demons. Jesus was doing all kinds of work. In fact, it got to the point where he actually took bread and fish, multiplied it, fed thousands. They wanted to make him king. In fact, John chapter 6 says when they went to make him king, Jesus sent them away. Nope, I'm not going to be made king. That is not what I came to do. Can you imagine? I mean, skip the cross, take the kingdom. Not Jesus. That's not what I came to do. I came to show love in a way that no one here understands, and I'm not going to stop until I've accomplished what I've called to do. That's what he says. Well, when that became apparent in John chapter 6, it makes this statement. John chapter 6 and verse 60. Uh, by the way, he also taught that the big issue is having my life in you spiritually. That was John chapter 6. And verse 60 says, Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Wow. No more. Thousands had just been fed. People loved him. They saw what he did. Everyone walked behind Jesus. Who wouldn't want to be with Jesus? Kind, loving, caring. He thinks about you more than he thinks about himself. He takes care of all your physical needs. He makes you feel good when you're with him. He's the right person. Who wouldn't want to be with Jesus? But when they realized that Jesus' philosophy was self-sacrificing love and being filled with him versus having whatever you want, when you want it, they said, I don't know. I think I don't want that philosophy. I want the philosophy of selfishness. That was the battle. Jesus said this, it's on your screen to them, to his 12 disciples. Do you also want to go away? Do you want to go too? I mean, so many other followers have left. Do you want to go too? And notice the response of Peter. I love this. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. He knew the philosophy of heaven in the great controversy, the action of heaven, the way of life, the law of life, was the right way. So, today, I'm going to 
ask a very direct question, and that is, which side do you want to be on? What will you choose? Because this side, the law of life, it's the one worth being on. Not a question. The ruler of this world has this side. It's up to us to choose. The battle's already won, but we're living in a world that's gone bad. We can choose to stay with Jesus, to not go away. We can choose life and love in Jesus Christ. It's not going to be easy. You're going to need to be strong. But Jesus' arms are open for you today. Who will you choose? What will you choose? The choice is ours. The great controversy is still alive today. What will you choose? Would someone like to say, I want to choose the law of life, which is a life of love like Jesus Christ? I want to do that. That's the kind of living I want. That's what I choose to. Could you pray with me? Our Father, we are so thankful that you sent Jesus here to show us a way of life, the real way. And in the great controversy, the one that we face every day here, may we remember that Jesus' way, the way of love, is your way and to choose your side. Bless each hand that was raised here. Father, I ask that you would grant extra strength and courage that no matter what happens, whether there's a falling, you get back up because God is loving and his way is life. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.